I really feel strongly that God wants you to take you to another level. He wants to give you an upgrade. I really believe this morning, if you would hear what the Lord says, you would hear what he would say to you, what he would speak to you this morning. I really believe this is a life-changing message. Now, you should come every Sunday expecting that. But I just really feel strongly from the Lord that as you would come this morning and you would say, Father, I submit my heart to what you would say. I really do believe God's going to release blessing into your life. There's going to be a level of prosperity. There's going to be a level of success. There's going to be a level of um, uh, anointing. I, you're going to see from my message, but it's, it's not, again, my message. It's because you come to the Lord. Do you understand that when you come to him and say, Father, however much you want to give, I'll take, he'll give you more than you need. So will you do that with me this morning? Will you, will you just pray? I'm going to pray it out, but pray it in your own words and just tell the Father, Father, I want to receive whatever you have for me. Father, I'll do whatever you have me do. Father, I will take, and I will take this word, and I will uh, let it work it out. So let's pray that right now. Father, we thank you for the word that you're going to bring. Lord, I'm just, I'm just the mouthpiece. We thank you, Lord, that whatever I'm saying, we will come and hear what you're saying. We open our hearts. We open our hearts to receive. And I thank you that you have abundance. You have a great plan. You have greatness in store for each person in this room. Not just for ourselves, but our community, Lord. This isn't really just about us. This is about the people we interact with. So I declare that over you right now, church, that the Lord is going to do something big in you this morning. It might start as a seed, but I just declare you're going to have a big tree and it's going to bear good fruit. I declare this in your name, Father, in your name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so this morning, I'm going to be talking about grace. Well, actually, I'm going to be talking about a few things, but grace is really the, the binding, one of the binding ideas in my message. And uh, when we talk about grace, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Generally, as a believer, we think of salvation. We think that uh, by grace I am saved. And it's true that grace is a gift. Grace is unmerited favor, which means I have favor from God that I didn't deserve, I don't earn. Uh, we see this, first of all, for example, in uh, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. It talks about how by grace we've been saved. It's a gift of God. And... Uh, this is not something I want to diminish. This is not something I want to take away from. But I want to expand your idea of what grace is. Because if you didn't know, grace wasn't supposed to be a one-time event in your life. Grace is supposed to be an uninterrupted flow. And if you don't have the ongoing flow of grace in your life, um, then you're not living in the fullness you can. And this message is in no way... Condemning this is in no way, you should be doing this, and why aren't you doing this? This is to let you know that there is something more. That there is something more. Like, I really believe every single one of us in this room, a lot of us, we've been faithful. A lot of us, we've been obeying the Lord. But this morning, the Lord wants you to see you can walk in a greater level of fullness. You can walk in a greater level of abundance. You can walk in a greater level of grace in your life. Uh, because, in all honesty, God has more grace than you need. And this grace allows you to do what you need to do in the kingdom. You see, again, we think of grace as simply the gift of God for our salvation. And again, it is. You, you, we're not saved because you did the right thing. I'm not really going to read Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But if, you, if we were to read that passage, you would find out that it, by faith you're saved. Or 
Let's read this verse. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You didn't earn your salvation. You couldn't have done anything. If you know the truth, the truth is that uh, we were all sinners. We've all messed up. We all couldn't get to heaven. None of our righteous acts meant anything. And yet God said, I don't want you to have to pay for what you deserve. So his mercy was withholding punishment. His grace was giving a gift. And that gift is partly our salvation. I'm not diminishing our salvation, but it is partly our salvation. We received the gift of God as salvation. Grace, though, is an ongoing flow. And the, the, the main definition I want you to come away this morning, because it could actually cover a few things, but the main thing I want you to see is that it is the empowerment of God to do what you need to do. Let me say that again. The grace of God is actually the empowerment of God to do what you need to do. It's, it's God's favor on your life. So that when God says, hey, you should love your neighbor, you're not like, oh man, how am I going to do this thing? God's like, wait, I gave you the grace to do it. We should never read any command in the Bible and think, I can't do that. Because if you've given your life to Jesus, you can do anything he's called you to do. Again, it's by grace we're saved, so we didn't earn it. But this ongoing flow of grace in your life, you didn't earn either. So, I know I'm kind of tweaking some minds here, like, wait, grace is in a flow, it's empowerment, what are you talking about? Let me just give you some scriptures to show you I'm not making this stuff up. (laughs) Ephesians 3, 7 through 9, Paul referencing himself says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So we see here that Paul says, I'm a minister. I have this ability to preach. I have this ability to show people the truth because of the grace of God. It's not... Paul's like, it's not me, it's the grace of God on my life. This is key, guys, because we will say things like God qualifies the called, but we don't really understand where it says that biblically, usually. This is where it says that biblically. If God has called you, you know, Paul was called, you're going to be a minister, you're going to be an apostle. And this is Paul saying, and my ability to, my calling and my ability to fulfill my calling is based on the grace of God in my life. And that's key because you've got to understand your ability to do anything God has called you to do isn't earned either. I, um, this one point I could just spend the entire message, but I'm going somewhere with it. But for, uh, to show you that, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 through 10, Paul says this again about himself. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I want you to catch two things there. First of all, Paul's like, I didn't earn this. I, was, I, I so didn't deserve this. Again, we, we, you know, if you've been walking this walk for a while, you catch the thing like, I don't deserve my salvation. But do you realize you don't deserve your calling? You don't deserve your ability to do anything in Christ? But you have it. Why? Because it says... 
the grace, you know, Paul's saying here, the grace is available for him to do this, even though he didn't deserve it. And he actually says that in his working, it really wasn't him working. It was the grace of God working in him and through him. You got to catch that. Because um, your assignment is way too big for you. I hate to break it, you know, Sergio and I have had these conversations, but I hate to break it to you, bro. We can't do this. It's too big. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough resources. But I have more than enough grace in Christ. And the problem is, a lot of you don't realize that the assignment God has placed on your life is bigger than anything you could ever accomplish. And when you come to that reality, then you start really appreciating the grace. Now, I understand your understanding of your calling. If at your calling was simply to love people, you can't do it anyway. So, I mean, but, you know, God has specifics. God has this, but you got to understand your ability to do it is based on the grace of God. It's nothing you earned. And this is why grace needs to be an ongoing flow. Because if you have an assignment, you're always going to be doing that assignment. I hate to break it to you, but when you die, you're going to actually be working harder than when you did when you were alive. Now, you're going to be working out of a place of peace and rest. But do you know that Revelations talks about when we go to be with him, we're going to rule and reign with him? Do you realize that your assignments on this earth are to actually prepare you for assignments in the age to come? Hey, I'm down. We will be worshiping before the Lord, before the throne. Don't get me wrong. We will be delighting in God. And when I say his work, I'm not talking about striving. Again, we don't understand what work means in the kingdom. But, um, But you will have assignments. And, um, you know, Jesus alluded to it when he said, hey, you, here's five talents, you got five more, I'm going to let you rule cities. Again, I'm not trying to speculate, but the, up, the, the promotion into greater responsibility was in no way proportional to what they, had to, uh, what they had to steward here on this earth. I don't, I don't know what the next age is going to look like, guys, but I do know that right now I'm preparing myself for that. And so you need to be able to see that grace should be this ongoing flow in your life because your assignment is continually ongoing. And when you complete something, there's another something. I mean, and it's, again, it's not the striving. It's the grace of God. I don't have to feel like, oh, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta make this sermon happen. I got to make this church plan happen. I got to, oh, dude, I got to get set up and take down happen. Like, it's, it's the grace of God, which, by the way, props to my setup team. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Everyone who helped me this morning. Um, Yes, Carrie Cord back there. I was like, there was a third person I'm not seeing right now. So um, God is desiring that you have this constant flow, constant flow. It's referenced in Hebrews um, 4, uh, ooh, 16 through 14, 4, 14 through 16, where it says, Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are tempted, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You are supposed to be able to come before the Father and like, Father, we have a situation, grace, and you're supposed to be able to come boldly. That means you're confident. That that means you're thinking, There's nothing hindering this grace coming to me. 
By the way, you coming to the Father isn't you begging, Father, Father. No, the boldly means like, Father, there's a new situation. Grace. Father's like, boom, grace. Thank you, Lord. Boom. And you just keep, and I don't, it's not that you even enter a throne room. You're, the throne rooms and you're, you know, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's just that flow of your, you're turning your attention to him. It's a beautiful thing. You got to understand, it's supposed to be an ongoing flow of grace. So as a believer, you should never, you know, say, I can't do this. If God's called you to do it, you can. Let's stop acting like we haven't been saved yet. When you're not saved, when you don't have Jesus, you can't do it. <laughs> but you aren't. You are in Christ. I don't regard myself according to the flesh. I regard myself according to the Spirit. Let me just throw out one more verse before I transition to another point. It says uh, in Second Corinthians 9, 7 through 8, um, this is referencing money specifically, but the principle here is, I believe, universal as we've seen. Verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's why you can give. And God is able to make all grace, say that with me, all grace, all grace. God's able to make all grace abound, which, by the way, means more than enough. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Jesus multiplied more bread and loaves than they needed. Jesus said, hey, throw your nets on this side, and they had more than enough fish. When they had to collect um, resources to build a temple, to build a tabernacle, which were two different occasions, they got the resources, and they, they had to tell the people, stop, because we have more than enough. God is a more than enough God. God's not lacking. You shouldn't feel like you're lacking. <laughs> I'm not talking about what you see in the natural. I'm talking about in the spirit, God has more than enough grace for you. So Sergio and I are like looking at this church plan. We're like, dude, we got more than enough. And we're going to keep telling each other that too. Dude, we got more than enough. Um, but the Lord is helping me get convinced. I'm getting convinced I'm more than enough. I, I, I have more than enough in Christ. The issue though is a lot of times believers, we aren't walking in that fullness and it could be for different reasons, but today I felt like the Lord wanted me to stress one. That is really, I think, a key core thing that, a, that you might have in some areas of your life, so you're, you're tapping into that grace, but because you don't have it in other areas, you're not tapping into the grace of the Lord. Again, it's supposed to be an ongoing flow. And um, Jesus isn't mad that, again, it's, this is not like the Lord's mad, like, why aren't you walking in your fullness? He's just, he's always going to be walking to you, hey, I got more, I got more. You see, I, I, I'll get an upgrade from the Lord and like, God, I'm awesome. And God's like, just don't think you're on a plateau yet. There's more. There's more. So I want to tell you about the more. And the way you open up grace in your life is found in Proverbs 3.34, where it says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. This verse was so important that Two uh, apostles in the New Testament quote it. First Peter 5, 5 through 6, Peter quotes this verse. And then James in James 4, uh, 4, 6 quotes it. And, and then in the New Testament, it reads more, um, God opposes the proud, which is another way of saying what it said in Proverbs. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility is a key to getting grace into our lives. And in some areas, we walk... You, in humility, in other areas we don't. And that's why we don't have the flow. <laughs> so this morning, 
as the Lord helps illuminate that in your mind, it helps you even see maybe an area you're like, dude, I never thought of it that way. You're going to realize, oh, I, I can now tap into the grace of God for that area in my life. I'm not saying life's going to be easy. I'm not saying there's not going to be struggles. But your, your struggles should be like waves. Some people, not knowing how to surf, they just wipe out every time. But you, the Lord, wants you to take that wave, and you're supposed to ride it in. You realize your obstacles, your problems are supposed to actually give you momentum in God, are supposed to give you momentum in the Spirit. Again, it's not saying life is going to be easy. But when I get a kingdom perspective, I'm like, oh, oh, giants, you want to oppose me? That's okay, because they said when I kill you, Goliath, that uh, I get the king's daughter, I don't have to pay taxes, I get riches. So I actually don't see you as a problem. You're an upgrade. You're a promotion in my life. I'm going to ride you in to another level. And that's what the Lord wants to do for you this morning. So how... Yeah, amen. That's a good word. (laughs) What's funny is I'm preaching at myself, too. I'm like, yeah, that's right. So what is humility? I have a personal, defin- a personal definition of humility that I actually think is very biblical, and I'll show you why it's biblical. But um, the wording is a, a specific wording I use. Humility to me is simply acknowledging that God is your source. Let me say that again. Humility is simply acknowledging that the source of all that is awesome in you is God. You see, pride comes along and says, I'm awesome because I'm my source. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why does God oppose the proud? Well, a lot of reasons, but let me give you one. One, if you have pride in your heart, you can only imagine your capabilities as far as your human natural mind can go. So if I'm walking in pride as a preacher... I'm only going to imagine myself preaching to the ability of my natural abilities. And maybe I have great natural abilities. Maybe I don't. But if I come in humility and say, I'm going to preach awesome because my source is God, then I'm not going to even imagine in the natural. I'm going to imagine in the supernatural. My message will have the ability to touch people's hearts in a way that only God could do. Why? Because he's my source. Some people think that when you're humble, you're not confident. In the kingdom, that's ridiculous. Because humility means I'm connected to him. I should be way more confident than if I was full of pride. That's why God's going to oppose the proud. Because if you're walking in pride, your assignment will kill you because it is way too big. (laughs) Can I say that again? Your assignment will kill you if you're walking in pride because it is way too big. Guys who fall out of ministry, guys who just say, I'm done. People who are like, I'm burnt out, and again, there's reasons for being burnt out, but sometimes they start walking in, I can do this in my own strength, I don't need the Lord, blah, 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 I don't, and uh, they just get squashed. Why? Because you were never meant to handle your assignment alone. But in humility, I have more than enough. Abundance means more than enough. I came to give life and life abundant. I have more than enough. I have more than enough ability to be patient with people. I have more than enough ability to preach. I have more than enough ability to do anything, to pray for the sick. I have more than enough ability to do outreach in neighborhoods. I have more than enough ability to love my wife. I have more than enough ability. Why? Because my source is God. Well, your confidence sounds a lot like pride. Hey, if there's pride, 
I'll deal with it. Help me deal with it. But um, my confidence is in the Lord. False humility is simply the opposite of, is simply pride with, on the other side of the coin. Because false humility is saying, I'm not going to do anything awesome. But again, what's your source? Your source is yourself. A person who's like, man, I need to be humble. And then you just start dogging themselves. I can't really do anything. I'm like, that's not humility. Again, your source is you for that. So how do you walk in humility? You stop thinking about yourself. <laughs> you simply say, God, you're bigger than the situation. God, you're more than enough. Um, I could keep stressing that, but um, let me kind of reference one area where I get that concept from. I'm not going to read it because um, I really do not have time to go into the passage uh, just because the conversation is a little too intricate to just kind of jump in the middle of. But I'll give you the reference, and I'll kind of explain what's happening, and you can go look it up later. Romans eleven seventeen through 18. Um, Paul is talking about how um, the Jews as a whole rejected Jesus as Messiah, and Jesus was their connection now to Yahweh. And because they've rejected the Messiah, they've rejected their connection to Yahweh. And then he makes the point that Gentiles have now connected to God the Father because they have made Jesus their king. But he tells them in verse 18, he says, Gentiles, don't you get proud. New King James says, don't boast. Other translations say, don't be arrogant. Because he says, because you're like a branch, and why would you be proud if you're simply connected to the root? And the root's Christ, the root's God in the passage. So what, what's, what's the, the flip side of that? flip side is, you need to walk in humility because um, your source isn't you. Your source is God. And so, looking at that passage, you can kind of see it, but um, I believe this revelation is from the Lord. My definition, I believe, is biblical, and that's, you can look that up now. Um, but I don't have time to go into all of it. I want to talk about how humility, uh, how humility gets grace into your life. Because um, we've, we've been talking on, sort of on an academic, theological level. I think you guys are all catching it. Um, but let's talk about how does that practically look in a person's life. And um, if you imagined... Uh, you know, if you imagine this is like a factory and God is producing grace, uh, humility would be like the truck. And believe me, I want to be as humble as I can be. I'm going to get the biggest truck I can get because I need all the grace. You know, God gives grace to the humble. Every time the Lord starts humble, I'm like, I receive it, Lord. This is why I don't care if I pray, God, humble me. I would rather have humility than pride because I walk in more power when I'm humble. <laughs> You know, people sometimes, I've heard Dave talk about this for years. He was like, I pray God, God, humble me. And some people are like, why would you ask God to do that? Because I have more power when he does. I have more power. Oh, sure. Yeah, it becomes apparent that there's gold in this clay pot, but I don't care. I'd rather have the effective working of, of God's grace in my life. But like I said, so God's grace is like this factory. God's, um, God is the source, like a factory producing this grace. My humility is this big truck. But the funny thing is there's two actually avenues to get to the, the grace of God. And, um, and one is in your direct relationship with God. So you can be humble towards God. You take your humility you know, truck down the road of of relationship with God, and God, there is grace that you will only get in the secret place. 
There is grace that you will only get in your quiet time with the Lord. There is grace that you will only get in walking in communion with Jesus. Jesus modeled it. He's like, I don't do anything except what the Father does. I don't say anything with what he says. I don't, I, I, I don't try to do anything except what the Father tells me to do. Why? Because Jesus was making a point. I'm connected directly to the Father. My relationship with him allows me to have this grace to exercise things in my life. The other one we don't always think about is that God has put grace inside of people that I can only access if I walk in humility towards other people. Now, it's all from God. God is the source. The people aren't my source. But I need to walk in humility towards other people because I will not receive grace that was intended for me because there's some, this avenue of you know, people. There's only grace that I can get down that road that God will not give me in my quiet time. He, he forces me to connect with people. He forces me to be humble towards others. And we're going to talk about um, the life of David because David really models both of these things very well. Um, you know, Dave, David was an amazing man. Uh, he walked in such great humility, and even the biggest mistake he ever made, which was pretty big, to my knowledge, none of you have gone as far as David. Um, and if you have, grace abounds towards you. Um, <laughs> Let's just be real. But, um, but David in his darkest hour got out of his dark, dark, darkest hour because he said, you know, I'm going to walk in humility towards God and other people. Now, let me also quickly say something, too, for those of you who uh, like looking at different angles of things. Faith is not necessarily the same, another side of the same coin, but faith and humility really go hand in hand. Humility realizes God is my source. Faith is kind of that working out. So humility is like, God, you're my source. And faith is actually trusting in the source. So I'm not really talking about faith today, but if, if you're going back to like what I said in Ephesians 2, that we're saved through faith by grace, well, the faith is the working out of your humility. Okay, So um, in saying humility, I could also say faith, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to stress humility this morning, not faith. But let's look at David. Okay, So David... Um, was humble before God. And I'm going to talk about that first, and then I'm going to talk about David being humble before people. And one of the ways we know that David was humble before God is how he faced Goliath. Probably most of you know the story, but just in case, I'm going to quickly fill in some details. Uh, The people of Israel wanted a king, so God gave them Saul. And Saul became their king. God chose Saul, and Saul walked in the power of God, because again, he was called, God gave him the grace. Well, Saul, in the process of being king, all of a sudden felt like he didn't need God as much. And God said, if you're going to reject me, I'm going to reject you, and I'm going to call another one who's going to rely on me. So all of a sudden, Israel has a king who's not trusting in the Lord, and they get attacked. Kind of a bad day. They get invaded by their arch nemesis, their old-time rivals, the Philistines. And the Philistines are going to invade so they can subject the Israelites. And the Israelites, we're not going to have it. So they go meet them on the battlefield. And they're lining up like they did back in the day. And they're about to have at it. And this big guy, about nine foot, I think, if I remember right, Goliath. um, You know, a cubit, whatever. About nine feet, we estimate the measurements given. He comes out from the lines of the Philistines and he walks up to them and uh, basically says, hey, why do we have to all kill each other? You get a guy, I'll come out, we'll duke it out, and only one person has to die, and that'll decide the fate of everybody. 
Why did Goliath say that? Because he had a lot of pride. Because he looked at himself and said, I'm bigger than all y'all. I, I've been fighting since I was young. My weapons are bigger than all your weapons. And in the natural, Goliath was very confident. Now, Saul had stopped seeing God as his source. So Saul started looking in the natural too, and he's realizing he is bigger. And the problem when your leader looks in the natural, generally a lot of your followers will. And everyone else is now looking in the natural too. That's a good word for some of you. We need, if you're in leadership, you need to see God as your source. It will affect everything and everybody in your life. Um, so everyone is like freaked out. Goliath. Long story short, David shows up. And David's saying, God's my source. He's way bigger than that guy. I'm just going to give you the verses. I'm not going to read it. First Samuel 17:37 is when he mentions this to Saul. Verses 45 through 47 of the same chapters where he mentions this to Goliath. But uh, basically he says this. I had to rely on God when I was a shepherd, and I killed lions and bears. God was way bigger than them, and if God is my source, he's way bigger than you. What did David do? He walked in faith, yes, but it was also humility. He's walking and saying, God is my ability to do whatever God's called me to do. And I'm sensing the call of the Lord to kick your butt. And I I really like it, too, because humility actually has a little bit of an attitude to it. We don't really think that way. And again, I'm not talking about your pride, your arrogance. But in the spirit, you can actually give a little smack talk. I mean, Goliath is saying, you scrawny kid, I'm going to like cut you up and feed you to the birds and the animals. And David, full of the spirit, looks at Goliath and says, you scrawny Philistine, I'm not only going to cut you up and feed you to birds and animals, I'm going to kill all your buddies, and then I'm going to feed them to the birds and animals, and you guys are going to have to serve us. How are those apples? I'm, I take your challenge and I one-up it. You get sassy when you actually humble before the Lord because your obstacle now has become this upgrade, and so you kind of almost invite the fight. I don't pray for problems, just FYI. They're going to come. I don't, I don't need help. They will come. But I'm not going to freak out when they come. <laughs> go. You're not going to freak out. You know, uh, Psalm 112 says, A righteous man doesn't fear bad news. That's why his heart's steadfast in the Lord. That, I declare that over some of you today. I, anyone who wants to receive it, you are not going to be a person who's going to freak out when you see bad news. You might be in charge of a ministry today, and, and I know you're like, man, we need volunteers. Someone just quit on me. Guess what? You're not going to freak out when you hear bad news. Some of you have stuff happen. You're looking at your bills. Bad news. Oh, I'm not going to freak out. Why? Because God's my source. I have no lack in the kingdom. There's no lack in the kingdom. Some of you have relational issues. and Don't we all? I mean, we all need to learn to love better. And guess what? I'm not going to freak out. Why? Because God is my source. Kurt, are are you saying you're humble? That sounds prideful. I'm simply saying God is my source. You can interpret that however you want. If I'm being prideful, call me on it, because I need all the grace I can get. I'll get get that pride out. You know, pride bad. How did David develop this intimacy? And again, we could look at other passages, but one thing we do know is David was a student of the word. Now, you, when you read 1 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, you don't necessarily 
catch that in like a verse that says David read the word every day. Partly because I don't think they actually had the Torah like in their houses. They had a lot of times have to go and have the priest teach it to them. They would memorize it. So David, you know, is hiding his word in his heart so he would not sin against the Lord. But if you ever read any of the Psalms, especially the ones attributed that we know for sure were from David, he is literally quoting the, the first five books of the Bible almost verbatim sometimes. We know he had to have studied the word because he wrote songs pretty much straight out of the Bible. And the things he tells Goliath are literally quotes of promises God made to Israel. God said, when your enemies come, I'm going to kick their butt. So when David says, God's going to kick your butt, he's, he's simply quoting what he has already hidden in his heart. So one way we walk in humility towards God is we, uh, we go to the word and say, God, I have wisdom, but my wisdom's not enough. I need your wisdom. Some of us are quite confident to say, I don't have enough wisdom. But are you confident that when you come to the Word, you'll have everything you need? Let me say that again. Are you confident that when you make a lifestyle of feeding from the Word of God, God will give you everything you need in terms of wisdom and direction and guidance? Yes, the Holy Spirit. When I say come to the Word, I am talking about the written Word. I'm talking about the, the rhema, the, however you want to say, the, the, whole, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Word of the Lord. But however the Word of the Lord comes to you, not however, like we do weird things, but I'm talking about how the, how the scriptures talk about when you come to the word of the Lord, you can be confident. I would encourage you. That is one way of walking in humility to God. And someone who comes to me and says, I don't, I don't really get in my word that often. I don't know how to tell them, but I'm like, do you realize you're walking in pride? Because you really think you can do life on your own terms. Ouch. I shouldn't have said that. Okay, I should have. But... Um, I don't get into the Bible because I feel bad. By the way, if you're like, oh, he's condemning me, I'm not condemning you. I'm just giving it, stating how it is. I miss some days. Some days I'm doing stuff, and I might not do my specific reading. I'll read something else. I'll go the next day, make it up. I mean, just ask my wife. Sometimes my weekends are so crazy. I'm reading, like, my journal entry. I'm working on my journal entries from Saturday and Sunday on Mondays. I'll be real with you guys. So this isn't about, like, condemnation, not about checklists, but I I get back in. I don't, I don't say, oh, I stopped reading. I'm just going to keep stopping. I realize I need him more. Th- I'm humbling myself. Lord, I was, whatever I did this weekend that didn't get me in the word, I, I don't, forgive me, Lord. I don't care, whatever. I'm not looking behind me. I need your word now. Father, I'm getting in the word. <laughs> we also know that David was a man of prayer. And this we see very specifically in First Samuel and Chronicles because um, he would go into battle. The guy was a seasoned warrior. The guy was a fighter. I mean, I can't wait to check out the YouTube channel in heaven when we get up there and just watch the videos of David fighting because he must have been a masterful swordsman. He must have been great with the bow. I'm sure, you know, it's probably getting really cool. I don't know if God's going to let us watch those. Does that sound morbid? I just want to see David kill people. But um, that's not so much as his faith. But David would come with all this experience and show up to a battle and say, Father, what do you want to do with these people? My enemies are before me. How, how, how would you have me go? Because he realized this assignment is way bigger than my experience. Oh, which is such a blessing. I have too many assignments that are way bigger than my experience. <laughs> Every time I get experience in something, he generally moves me on to something else I have no experience in. So I've just, I just stop. I, I, need to, I need to continue to learn. Stop relying on my experience. I have no experience. <laughs> We've never planned a church. Here we go. So... 
um, David comes and he says, Lord, show me, and the Lord would give him wisdom. And in prayer, when you come to the Lord, you are relying on him. And you can be confident that what you ask for, you will receive. What you seek, you will find. What you knock, that door will be open to you. It's a beautiful thing. You see, on one hand, every one of us, me included, I'm preaching this, and on one hand, I'm telling you stuff, and you're like, oh, man, I feel so convicted. But you should also feel really excited because now you should see every situation as having grace available. Come on, how... Even if humility was hard, he's given me the grace to be humble. Father, help me be humble. He'll help you. It's a great prayer. Um, this is almost an entirely different message, um, but I felt because I was bringing up humility, I need to bring it up, so I'm going to reference this really quickly. Humility does need to actually be displayed between other people, and um, David displays that really, uh, really well. First of all, you know, we need to be humble before leaders, and humility before leadership means I honor my leaders, I respect my leaders, I'm not like talking behind their back even if I don't like them. Um, I'm not trying to tear them down. I'm seeing them as having grace. There's actually portions in the New Testament, for example, where church leadership are talked as gifts of grace towards the church. I submit to David Turner because um, he's got grace in his life that if I don't want to, I won't receive. Dave doesn't, I mean... Technically, I work for him, so he could, in a sense, force submission. That's fine. I receive it. But, um, but he doesn't really force submission to pretty much. He, he makes himself available. Do you realize that by saying, ah, you know, talking? Anyways, you know, what, you know what submitting looks like. I don't really have to explain it. We're all adults. Um, and if you don't, you can ask the Lord. David displays this. <laughs> Let's just be real. Uh, David displays this with Saul. And the beautiful thing about it is, David understands that God was still his source. You see, the avenue was Saul, but the source was still God. Let me give you an illustration kind of in modern terms. I don't have to agree with everything President Obama does, but I still honor the man. I still choose to respect the man. Because why? Um, I believe it's Romans 13, talks about government leaders have been given a grace from God to do to release grace into our lives that we would not receive unless we were submitted to authorities. one reason we pay taxes. They charge us too much. That's right. But guess what? I'm submitting to them not because they're perfect. Because guess what? David was blessed in his honor to Saul, but not from Saul. Again, because God was his source. You have to catch that. I honor imperfect people because God is my source. If you don't know the story, Saul tried to kill David. David was going to become king. He never tried to promote himself. He never said, Saul, you need to get off the throne. He never did anything. Saul perceived it. Saul tried to kill him. Saul lied multiple times. Saul betrayed him. And David said, I'm not going to hurt this man. I had two times to kill him, and I didn't kill him. Why? Because he said, he's the Lord's anointed. What's he saying? I need what God has for me, and there's only grace I'm going to get from this man because I have submitted myself to his leadership. That's why I can go to youth and say very confidently, um, your parents might not be perfect. I've told you, your parents might not be perfect. But you will only receive a certain level of grace from God if you would honor them, if you would submit to them. <laughs> I kind of felt this even as I was praying, that um, there might be someone in here, and your mom, you, uh, yeah, this is a word of the Lord for somebody. 
and I was going to share this at the end, but if I don't say it now, I might forget. Um, someone's, you're, you're the, your mom has not been a perfect person in your life. I have no idea who this is for. Yet the Lord's saying, you need to respect her. You need to not talk bad about her. You need to love her. And you need to ask the Lord to help you honor her. Because if you don't, you're not going to grow in some areas. You're asking for breakthrough. You see, you're asking the Lord, Lord, bless this area, bless this area. But you don't realize some of the grace you need for that area is tied to this very thing in your heart. And the Lord is telling some of you, you need to honor, or telling one person at least, you need to honor your mother, and you haven't been doing it. And that's why you're not walking in that fullness. And then I even feel like some of us, for our jobs, we might have secular leaders who, you know, we might have Christian leaders. We might have bosses at work who aren't perfect. But guess what? You will not receive from the Lord the grace you need for certain situations unless you would humble yourself before your bosses. I don't have to tell you what that looks like. You know, and... Um, but it's real. It's, guys, this is, so, this is so real that if we don't walk in this, it will affect your life greatly. This is why you are either on the level of a breakthrough or not. But it's, the Lord can help you. All right, I'm, ge- I'm getting through the people part. We're almost done. Which you should never. I'm sorry, I should never. <laughs> We're almost done. But I really am trying. I'm almost done. All right. Uh, we humble ourselves before leaders. We humble ourselves before correction. David models this greatly. If you don't know the story, make it short. David committed adultery with another man's wife. Then he killed the man and then married his wife, but in a way that no one really knew. Some people knew, but David felt like he could hide it in the rug. He's the king of Israel. He can do whatever he wants, right? God shows up to a prophet guy named Nathan and says, you need to go tell David, I know what he did, and he can't get away with that. And it will affect things. You've got to think of this from Nathan's perspective. I'm simply a prophet. He's the king. But Nathan obeys the Lord. He goes in. He gives it to David straight. So David knows this is what happened. And what does David do? He humbles himself. He humbles himself before God, and he humbles himself before man. I don't know if this is real, but I really feel like 90% of the correction God will ever give you is going to come through people. Maybe even more. So if you have a hard time receiving correction from people, oh man, this is, I can sense the Lord on this, but also I will. If you have a hard time receiving correction from people, you are just stopping up that grace. You're like, man, why am I not walking in the fullness of the Lord? Because you're not listening to me. But when did I not listen to you, Lord? Your wife corrected you the other day and you blew her off. That was my wife. Yeah. Here you go, honey. Um, I, I want to listen. Again, we both hear the Lord, and there's times I need to encourage her, she's encouraging me. But I want to listen to what the Lord's given my wife because I need that grace. It hurts to be corrected. Nobody likes it. But do you know what Proverbs says? It says, a wise man receives correction. We think if we're receiving correction, we're stupid. You're only stupid if you do not receive correction. You're only stupid if you do not receive correction. Proverbs says you are actually wise. Because, again, the enemy comes along and says, Hey, Kurt, she's correcting you right now. She's making you seem stupid. Don't you feel stupid? You know what? You're getting corrected. That means you're a stupid person. You know, the, the devil wants to take your actions and make it your identity. And I just... You know, when I get my head on straight sometimes, I flip around and I'm like, I'm righteous in Christ. 
I'm the righteousness of God. I'm wise in the Lord, and my wisdom is going to play out now because I'm going to receive this correction. Yes, there's talking it through. Yes, it's painful. But if you want to walk in humility before other people, that opens the grace of God in your life. You need to receive correction. Lastly, um, we need to walk in humility before others, not only receiving correction, but help, advice. And a lot of times that looks like honor, guys. We need to honor the fact that people are different and be able to receive whether we gel with a person's personality or not. I need to have people in my life who are different than me. I keep coming to this, but one reason I got married. <laughs> I need people in my life who are different than me. But I need people in the church who are different than me. I love our, I love our um, team for Nueva Comunidad, because if you really boil it down, we're not, a, we're not entirely a similar group. There are different personalities. There are different... We're, and I love it. Why? Because some, some of them have grace that I don't have. Uh, let me read to you Philippians 2, 1 through 11. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, again, pride, but in loneliness, which other translations use as humility of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God also exalted him and gave him and given him the name which is above every name, then in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We take Jesus' example. Jesus said, I, as a perfect human, am not going to walk in my own ability. I'm going to choose to let God be my source. And when I allow God to be my source, God the Father... I'm going to be obedient, even in Gethsemane, when I chose not to be omniscient. I chose to not only see what the Father sees, and I tell the Father, Father, if there's another way, because I can't see all the possibilities now. I'm choosing to be man. I'm choosing to be like a human. I'm God, but I'm choosing to not look at everything and simply trust that you can see everything and that the cross is the only way. He's like, Father, if there's another way, but if, if, if it's only the cross, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus wasn't in conflict in his heart. He was simply in conflict with the fact that I hope there's another way. <laughs> this is, this is going to be too painful if there was a better route to take. But this route I need to take if it is the route. So, Father, I humble myself. I say you're my source. And guess what the Father does? Because Jesus humbled to the, and was obedient to the point of death, he exalted Jesus. And that's our example. But what, are, what did verse 1 through 4 say? It said that that example plays out how I relate to you. I, I regard you better than myself. Not in terms of like I think of myself less. But if you're better than me, then I'm actually going to work on serving you. I'm going to work on loving you. I'm going to work on being um, everything God has called me to be for you. Because you have a grace in my life. I will not receive if I don't honor you. I will not receive if I'm not mutually submitted to you. I will not receive, I mean, Ephesians uh, five talks about be submitted one to another. And that flows out of the same 
paragraph where it says, receive, be filled with the Spirit. There's, a, there's something of the Spirit in other people that I will not receive. I will not be filled of the Spirit to the fullness that I need to unless I submit myself to the Spirit in other people. This is a good word. Because you have more spirit, you have more grace, you have more everything available to you this morning. So yes, if you need to acknowledge God as your source in areas you haven't, do it. If you need to repent, repentance is, Lord, I'm sorry I've done it wrong. I will do it right now. Help me do it right now. Thank you, Lord. I will do it right now. And guess what? Now you can, once you repent, start rejoicing. Because your repentance was acknowledged. Your repentance was heard. And now you don't need to repent anymore. You need to walk out. You need to have fruits of repentance. But you now, out of your mouth, you need to rejoice that now I have the grace. I have abundance. I don't walk into situations like I only have two loaves and two fishes or five loaves, whatever. I, by the way, do you realize that if you look at both of the times Jesus multiplied food, when he had less, they actually ended up with more food? I sometimes am excited when I actually come to the table with less than I even expected to. Because now, I'm going to have more than enough. I, I always will get more than enough. But um, Let's stand, and Pastor Dave, if you could uh, <laughs> close this. That's a good word. Let's respond to the Lord. I want to invite you to, to just repeat after me as we, as we thank the Lord and as we pray and respond to the Lord.